The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday, February 1st. We are doing February Importance Rankings. We will talk about all of the important things in the state of Wisconsin when it comes to sports, people, games, teams, the whole thing. We'll do that to start the show. We'll also do Wisconsin Bracketology, and we will do speculation station on why Dave Portnoy was in Milwaukee for the last two days. We'll talk about that. I also meant to note Golden Kegs will be weaved in to the importance rankings when we finish up talking about the Bucks. maybe a little bit before we move on to bracketology. Who knows? We got a lot to talk about. Before we do, uh, make sure that you're following along on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. We are also on Facebook under that same name. Uh, so make sure you're plugged in on all of those. Uh, if you're already there, uh, maybe you found us through one of those social media channels. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast, whether it's on Apple, whether it's on Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast. If you're already subscribed, what you do is you leave a review, and we'd really appreciate that. Uh, it's been a while since we've got a few reviews. I would really, really love one or two uh, in the next, I don't know, week, week or, week or so. I ain't too proud to beg, is, is what I'd like to say here. Um, so yeah, leave that review. I'd appreciate it. All right, let's dive in and talk about importance rankings. So if you're new to the show, uh, importance rankings are something that we've done in a variety of ways. We did it as a segment on the Tapping the Keg podcast with Mitch and I, where we basically would outline every week for the Packers, we would talk about what are the most important things from this game to get us ready for Packers Giants or Packers Commanders or I'm trying to think of what game the Packers won. Packers Cowboys, right? Um, NFC East apparently is on the brain. But regardless, like that's something that we would do. And it's something that you guys have liked in the past and something that we've seen work well. So here we are with the month of February and it's something that I would like to do every month, sort of look at the month itself, see what are the most important things from that month. Uh, I don't know if we'll have 10 every time. Um, 10 will be the max. I'm doing 10 today. Um, maybe just my excitement of it all. And you're like, Charlie, there's not a lot happening in February. Au contraire. Like, there's stuff going on in February. Like, even though everybody's like, oh, this is the down period from the Super Bowl to March Madness, it's not the case for Wisconsin sports. There's a lot happening. So we're going to get into that. Um, also, you will not see a lot of national things on this. Actually, you won't see anything. So we aren't going to talk about the Super Bowl. Obviously, if we were doing a national importance rankings, if we were doing national sports, the Super Bowl would be number one. We would be talking about the Super Bowl. We're talking about Hurts versus the Kansas City defense. We talk about Mahomes versus the Eagles defense. Actually, I think that's a bigger storyline than the former. But regardless, like we, we would be talking about those sort of things versus talking about all the different events or happenings going on in the Wisconsin sports world. So let's waste no more time. Uh, we have to start Chris Middleton. So Chris Middleton is yet to be starting for the Milwaukee Bucks. I came off the bench last night. He had 18 points. He played the most minutes that he's played since coming back from injury. At some point, Mike Boonholzer is going to put Chris Middleton into starting rotation. I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. I hope it's against the Los Angeles Clippers, which is the first big game for Milwaukee in the last few weeks. And the Clippers should play all their guys. Um, no one should rest. The Clippers have today off. Uh, they will be probably up in Milwaukee, actually, uh, hanging out today and then playing on Thursday. So there's no reason why 
Kawhi would sit. There's no reason why Paul George would sit. We're going to get the Clippers at full strength. The Clippers, I think, are a fringe finals team. This could be a potential finals matchup. I think this is where Chris Middleton should play about 25 minutes. But it's potential that Mike Boonholzer is waiting until he can play 30 minutes, play 35 minutes, and then that's when Middleton is going to be in the starting rotation. I have no idea. Um, Bud is a mystery. You never really know with the guy. Uh, but I think Chris Middleton continuing to progress, continuing to be a more of more part of this team will lead to success for the Milwaukee Bucks in the month of February. And that's why he's at the top because I think the Bucks are the most – if you had to rank the teams, I think the Bucks outweigh what's going on in college basketball, which we will talk about. But, like, I just see this as a very important month for the Milwaukee Bucks. And if they can kind of vault themselves – and kind of maybe put themselves in the one seed position at the end of this month. I think a lot of that has to do with Chris Middleton and the health of him and his sort of revival, if you will. And he hasn't, I, I think the last thought on Middleton before we move on to number two, he hasn't necessarily looked rusty. Like I haven't watched Middleton and thought, oh yeah, this guy needs more time. Like I think he's ready to roll. Like he looks really good. A lot of his old shots are back. Like it's not like Chris Middleton has you know sort of fallen off the face of the map he doesn't kind of look like pat connington remember when pat connington came back and everything was off his jumper was off he just wasn't really making shots and it took pat a while before now pat's looked i thought one of the better players in the last few weeks um it's it's been a while since we've got there but pat's pat's back to what he used to be so i'm not worried necessarily about middleton you know looking rusty i think that kind of narrative is out the door with the, his play has been really good, especially against Indiana. Last night was good too uh, with 18 against Charlotte. Number two for me, and I'm going to try to be, I would say not do much because we might be talking more about this tomorrow uh, with Mitch, but number two is Buck Celtics. Biggest game on the schedule of anything between whether it's Marquette, whether it's Wisconsin, whether it's the Bucks, that's the biggest game. Buck Celtics, February 14th, uh, doing us no favors who are in relationships that it's on Valentine's Day. That's rough. Uh, but you have Buck Celtics in Milwaukee. That will be a showdown. Uh, the Celtics dominated the Bucks on Christmas night. Uh, the Bucks were not fully healthy. Uh, the Bucks were in a rut at that point. Joe Ingles is fully back now. Uh, again, as mentioned about Pat Conton, he's playing well. Chris Middleton, who's owned the Celtics in the past, has looked, you know, pretty solid. Holiday, Giannis, you know, obviously they wanted Bobby Portis. I don't expect Bobby Portis to be in this matchup, so they will be missing one Bobby Portis, but I don't think that's going to change it too much. It's obviously a very important game for the Milwaukee Bucks to win because if they don't win that game, they are putting themselves in quite the hole in terms of a tiebreaker situation. They do play Boston four times, so it's not like they're completely fucked. But if they were to lose this game, they would not get, they would be two in the hole with a very good Celtics team. And I, I don't think that's what they want. And I do think the Bucks, I think Christmas matters, right? Like I, I think that's, that's an, that game, you know, probably sticks with Milwaukee. They used to be, they don't do this anymore since they won a championship. And maybe also too, because of load management or whatever other reasons they they don't usually blow out like come back and are like blowing out teams they used to have a they're kind of known for that where a team would beat them and then they would come back and just kick their ass the next time they played we haven't necessarily seen that with the bucks this season 
But I do think, oh, actually, there are three Bucks Celtics games. I apologize for that. And that last one is also in Milwaukee in late March. So this game actually is more important than I thought. Like, maybe they should have been number one. Because if you have three games, now if the Bucks do lose to Boston on the 14th, that would, that would mean that they do not have the tiebreaker against Celtics. And that would be very frustrating. That would be something that would really stick, especially if they get close to the same record at the end of the year. For those curious about you know back-to-backs, there shouldn't be any issue with that. Uh, they do have a tough game with Memphis on Sunday afternoon in the Garden, but that will they will have a day off between their matchup with the Milwaukee Bucks. But yeah, that game's gonna be awesome. I'm excited for it. I wish it was on any other day, uh, but what can you do? You can't control the NBA schedule, and they're helping out my single my single guys. Like they're helping out my my dudes who don't really have anything on Valentine's Day. Could be could be a rough day just seeing all the shit on Instagram and Facebook and whatnot. And they get Bucks Celtics. What's well, that's a great like single guy gift, uh, you know. Bucks Celtics, some Chinese, uh, maybe a few beverages. Yeah, I know it's Tuesday night, but why not? I, I think that's a great date night for everybody involved. Number three is the Bucks trade deadline. Uh, we'll see what happens, right? The Jay Crowder news, um, one of the things we missed when we were off yesterday was that Jay Crowder, the Jay Crowder rumors really picked up speed. Uh, basically, the trade was put out there. Uh, Phoenix leaked the whole fucking thing to Sham Sharania. Uh, again, when we talk about sources like Shams and Woj, Shams is a little more with the Bucks. Uh, Woj is persona non grata with the Bucks. You do not believe everything that comes out of Woj's mouth around the Bucks. It's agent driven. It's not. It's not. It's not team driven. Uh, the Bucks Woj don't get along. Shams. Every now and again, you'll get a Shams rumor uh, from from the Bucks. But I, I look at this as more of a Suns thing, as the Suns are trying to get some other team. Because truthfully, the deal is not great for the Suns. I mean, they get Jordan Nora, they get Serge Baca, they get a pick. I don't know how many picks they're going to get, but they get they get a pick, they get George Hill. Um, they already have one old point guard. What's what's having two old point guards? But I, I will say, like Cameron Payne, Chris Paul have had injuries. Like there, You could make a case that this is good for the Suns, or if the Suns use some of those assets and send them to a Phoenix, where they're rumored to be involved, or I'm sorry, a Toronto, Phoenix, they're already in Phoenix, where they send them for OG Ananobi or something like that. I mean, I think that potentially is on the table, but... Yes, we'll see if the Bucks get it done with the Jay Crowder deal. Um, that would be great. Um, I think that would definitely be something to help the Bucks. I know there are some fans who think Jay Crowder isn't necessarily needed. Um, I, I just think you need physical guys when you're playing teams like Boston, Miami. Um, the Bucks lack a little bit of the physicality on the wing. Um, Pat can only do so much. Grayson Allen is a waif out there. So you, you need a guy like Jay Crowder against a team like Boston. And I think he brings some of the P.J. Tucker mentality uh, that I don't necessarily think is missing from this team, but I do think you add that element of it. I The only thing I get nervous about with Crowder is he does have moments where he feels like he has to shoot the ball, kind of the Eric Bledsoe thing, where he's like, all right, you know, you know what I haven't done in a while? I haven't shot the ball. And it's like out of the out of the flow, out of everything, and it's just Jay Crowder for three. And it's like, what the fuck? So I do worry a little bit about that, but... Adding Jay Crowder to a bench of Bobby Portis and Javon Carter is just asking for fights every night. And I love it. I'm okay with it. Uh, the Bucks would still have some assets to make another move. So whether that would be to try to get Alec Burks, which I would love. 
um, or trying to, I don't think Bojan Bogdanovich is on the table. Uh, I had a buddy uh, in my Instagram DMs, shout out Garrett, wanted Eric Gordon. I like Eric Gordon. I think if the price is right on Eric Gordon, I just don't know if that price is going to be right for Eric Gordon. I think Eric Gordon has, again, similar, we use PJ Tucker as sort of the standard, but PJ Tucker's reason, one of the reasons we won the championship. So I, I, ha I think we always are going to refer back to PJ Tucker until we win another, another title. I th he, he'll be cheap, but, and I don't know if he can do a ton, but Josh Richardson would add more defense to your wing and would definitely help out with Tatum and Brown. I think that would be a guy that would also be a worthwhile addition. Um, he would play probably a little similar to what Wes Matthews is doing. And Wes Matthews has been great of lately, of late. So who knows? Maybe that's kind of off the table now that Wes is playing so good. The Wes Matthews thing is really interesting. Um, he's going to get it mentioned in Golden Cakes here too. But like out of the blue, Wes Matthews just started playing good basketball again. And I don't know if he was hurt. I don't know if he was maybe out of shape a little bit and played himself into shape. Uh, who who knows what sort of ha what sort of happened with this Wessessance? Maybe maybe it was the the play of Marquette and just watching Marquette every day. And Wes Matthews got inspired. I'm not sure, but yes, uh, checking in at number three is the Bucks trade deadline, um, and we'll see what moves they make. I don't think that they are going to sit on their hands. I if they do sit on their hands. Obviously, the fan base will be mad. I mean, this is the Brewer thing, right? Um, if you don't make moves, you're you're a bad person. That makes you a, a bad team and all this stuff. And you didn't do what Team X, Team Y did. I'm okay with this roster. I really am. I'm a little concerned about the physicality on the wing, as I just mentioned. Um, so that would be the only thing. And the, the last, I guess, part of it would be there's still the buyout market. The buyout market, I believe, starts after March 1st. So... You know, if a guy, I don't think Eric Gordon's going to get bought up, but like Will Barton's a guy who's mentioned as a bio candidate. Like, Bill, if Will Barton gets, you know, bought out, I, I think that's a quite, that's a good, a great addition for the, I'm not even good. I think that's a great addition for, for what Milwaukee is. And he played really well with Jokic. I'm not saying Jokic and Giannis are one to one, but Barton seemed to play really well with Jokic. He didn't, he's not playing well this year. Uh, with Washington, and maybe that's a guy that that could be added to the Bucks roster. Number four, I hate to do it, Aaron Rodgers trade rumors. I thought about not putting this on there because, or making it lower because there's nothing that's going to happen in this month. I mean, there could be trades that are agreed in principle, but Aaron Rodgers has not made a decision on whether he's going to play or not this year. I told that to Pat McAfee on Tuesday. And said, you know, I haven't made up my mind. I don't know exactly if I'm going to be playing yet again. He's like, I'll know more in a couple of weeks. Uh, it was interesting to listen to Matt Schneidman on 9 to Noon, uh, which is a local uh, radio station here in town. And Schneidman was like, Aaron Rodgers basically has the team by the balls. Now I'm paraphrasing Matt, being a big J that he is, didn't use those terms, but that was what I gathered from Matt's commentary is that Rogers has this organization by the balls that they are not really going to make moves similar to what Ted Thompson did. And if that is social media influence, if that's Mark Murphy influenced, I don't really know. I was very curious by that comment because I just don't see that's how the Packers operate. And it's really curious that Matt feels that way. And Matt, you know, obviously he's a journalist. He's there every day. He has to know things more than I do. I'm not discounting what Matt says, 
But I found that very interesting that Matt, Matt feels that way um, because I don't see it that way. Um, and it, if that's the case, then is Jordan Love going to get moved? Is that really what's going to happen? Are the Packers going to try to move Jordan Love knowing that next year's draft is loaded with quarterback talent? I think all, all the fans of the, the wishy-washy shit are over it. I really do. I, I think that's part of, part of the problem is that Aaron Rodgers every year is pulling this shit. And it's now been year three, and I think everyone's fed up. And it's very Favre-like. And I, I just, it makes, it's a really perfect break. And there's a lot of opportunity to get an extra pick and be in a pretty good position for next year. Like Packers trade Rodgers for the 13th pick or the 7th pick, right? Uh, the Raiders being the 7th pick. I don't, I don't see the Raiders thing. I know a lot of people have mocked that. I've seen that before. I just, they're going to go with Tom Brady. Like they're going to make a run at Tom Brady. And if they don't think they can get Tom Brady, yes, maybe Aaron Rodgers is your backup plan. And, but like Brady and McDaniels are very close. I realize we're in the era of player empowerment. We're in the era where the players are always right. I know Devontae Adams will stand on the table for Aaron Rodgers. But if Brady wants to come there, Brady's going to be there. And I think you can sell the Devontae. Hey, look, you're playing with two premier got like there are not a lot of people that get to say they played with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers like that's that goes on your resume too in a weird way um and I think Adams would be one of the reasons why Tom Brady would want to go there I think I think Brady is more likely to go to the Raiders than the Niners I don't get the Niners stuff at all uh I part of it to me is because of Kyle Shanahan like I just I I think Brady and him would have a lot of friction with back and forth. And I, I just don't see it from a coach-player relationship. I don't think Shanahan wants to coach a guy like Brady. I don't think Brady wants to get coached by a guy like Shanahan. That's just my personal opinion. Um, and I'm going to stick to it. Um, I, if, I, I'm sh sure there's, there's like a future you could bet Brady to not go to San Francisco. And I think I would take it, honestly. Uh, but yeah, so back to Aaron Rodgers, we kind of got off track. But yeah, I, I just don't see the Raider part of it. But yes, the rumors are going to continue. The Shefty stuff's going to continue. I am more on the Rap, Rappaport side, um, which we haven't heard anything from Rappaport on Rodgers since he basically said, yeah, there, there could be. It's going to take a significant deal. Like, again, I would stay the course and whatever Rapport says, I believe, I'm not saying I don't believe the Shefty stuff. I just know it's from the agents. It's from, you know, people maybe outside of the Packers circle. Packers don't really, don't really fuck with Shefter. And so I think that's, that's part of it, which is interesting that we now have two ESPN guys, the Packers or our Wisconsin sports teams don't, don't mess with. So anyways, we have the Aaron Rodgers trade rumor at number four. I would assume that we have to go quick. Yeah, we got to go a little quicker on these because we're already at the 20-minute part of the podcast. Number five, Marquette's run to a Big East crown. Uh, we talked about Marquette a lot on Monday's show. Um, thanks for the feedback on Twitter, tapping the keg. Uh, the MUB community is great on there. Uh, really have had some good follows. Um, love, love what I see there. And they have now a chance at the Big East. Um, they are right there with Xavier and Providence. And it's going to be a fight to the finish. And they will not have it decided likely by the end of February. We still might have this as part of the importance rankings in March. But Marquette has a real opportunity to win their first Big East title 
since 2013, I believe that was when they won that Big East title on the last second shot against St. John's. I still remember where I was for that game. That might have been 2012. The Marquette years weirdly run together. I don't know if that's the same for all of you, but this is the first time in a long time that Marquette is in the conversation for the Big East crown. Yes, it was uh, it was 2013 just to check my facts. I was right on that, which I love. Uh, yes, overtime winner. Jay Crowder, I believe, had the tip in in Madison Square Garden. I was at Duke's. I was watching it with some random guy who was friends of friends, and I kissed him on the forehead because I was that excited. He did not like it at all. Um, and <laughs> so you uh, always would give me weird looks after it. I was just so excited. I don't know. I don't want to tell you. Um, and I'm so, but anyways, uh, another story for another time. But yes, that was the last time. And Marquette, if you would, uh, coincidentally enough, if they had a chance to clinch was against St. John's, it would be at the Pfizer Forum on senior night. Uh, so maybe there will be an opportunity. But that would be a March topic, not a February topic. But Marquette just needs to keep winning. Uh, as discussed on Monday, they have a very tough stretch coming up here next week. Start against UConn. They do have a breather against Georgetown. But then they have two more difficult games against Xavier and Creighton uh, coming up. So we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, Xavier did just lose Zach Fremantle. So that kind of takes a little bit of the emotion, of the energy out of that one. But yes, we, we shall see with Marquette as they go for that Big East crown. Let's stay with college basketball. We'll head over to Madison. Greg Gard, winning back fans. I, I think it's really important that Greg Gard puts together some wins. I, I don't think Greg Gard will be fired. I think we are in a culture, which probably is a podcast for another time, where we have this call. And we, I guess we have, I think we've done this podcast before, but maybe we need to do it again. About like every time a team is bad doesn't mean you, you fire the coach. And just because you disagree, doesn't mean the coach is fired and I think we get so comfortable in just saying all right fire that guy fire it like Badgers won Big Ten title last year like they're not gonna fire a guy who won the Big Ten title last year they just do not have a good roster makeup and they have to adjust with what the Big Ten is going and the fact that they put all their eggs in Tyler Wall's basket was probably a wrong idea and that Chucky Hepburn has not necessarily been maybe the guy that they hoped and they've had some tough games, right? And they they do have a finish that kind of helps them out. And we're going to talk a little more about this in Bracketology, but they have five of their last seven games at home. So there's an opportunity after this stretch where there's three of four on the road where they can start putting it all together. The hard part is for them is they have this game against Ohio State on Thursday night where... Ohio State desperately needs a win. They're very bad. There's a lot of talk about Chris Holtman. They're 11 and 10 right now, uh, three and seven in the Big Ten. I think the Badgers are four and six. So there, that to me is like a loser leaves home match. Like if the Badgers win that game, they are all of a sudden vaulted back into the conversation. If they lose and they're now four and seven along with Ohio State and have lost, then would be the I believe the seventh of the last eight. Like, yeah, it starts to get kind of scary for guard and starts getting there. A lot of conversations are had about Greg Gard. I don't think Greg Gard is, is in any danger, but I think with the Luke Fickle momentum, I just think that's going to put more pressure on why can't we get the Luke Fickle basketball? And it's not that easy. 
Um, like straight up, it's it's not that easy. It's not one to one, but sometimes fans do not think that way. So I think this month is very important to Greg Gard to start sort of getting the fans back on his side and less of the Greg Gard hot seat talk. Number seven uh, is the Giannis All Star Game selections. I'm just curious on this. Like, is Giannis going to go international? Is that something that Giannis will will go? Will he do it as more of a recruiting tool? My guy Shafty has mentioned this before, that Giannis sometimes drafts guys that he wants to play with or wants to show what it's like to play with Giannis. I'm not to use him in a third person, but like have that idea of what it's like to to have, be on the Bucks roster and be with the Antetokounmpo. We'll just have to see you know, what that looks like. I mean, we do not have the all-star reserves yet. I think that comes out Thursday. So hopefully Drew Holiday makes it. He definitely deserves it. Uh, but the all-star starters at this point that Giannis has to choose from uh, are as followed. If he plays Kevin Durant, uh, you also have Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Zion, if he plays, Jokic, Doncic, Curry. So if you're looking at Team LeBron versus Team Team Giannis, I think if LeBron were to have number one pick, I think he's going to take Tatum. He might take Curry, but I think he would take Tatum. I think Tatum is the number one pick for whoever whoever does draft. I think Kyrie is actually going to get taken earlier because Kyrie is a free agent next season. I am not advocating for the Bucks to sign Kyrie, but I... I wouldn't be surprised if that's that guy gets picked earlier as sort of a recruiting tool. I think Curry is more of a, of a Giannis guy than a LeBron guy. Um, Giannis also could go international with Luka. Um, don't discount the Luka wanting out of Dallas. I, I think if any international guy were to leave, it'd be Luka. Just seems like there's a lot of dysfunction there in Dallas. And I'd kind of hinted at this when they hired Jason Kidd. I was like, you could push Luka out of town. And I know Dallas is apparently trying to trade everybody to get a second star in Dallas. And it's like, yeah, no fucking shit. Of course you need a second star. That's not easy to do during the trade deadline. And I don't know who that second star is. Is it Bradley Beal? Which I I don't like that combination of Luka and Bradley Beal. Is it, uh, trying to think who other, maybe a Fred Van Vliet. Again, though, is Fred really a star? I'm not sure. OG Ananobi, maybe. Um, I, it would be, it'll be very interesting if Dallas actually pulls it off because it seems like maybe there are some stuff where it's like, okay, Luca's starting to get sick of doing it all himself. And maybe Luca is the top pick for Giannis and it's Giannis and Luca, which would be very interesting because there have been Dallas fans that thought they were getting Giannis and maybe it's Bucks fans that are slowly but surely going to have Luca on the roster. Number eight for us is, uh, I go back to Marquette. We have Marquette Xavier. I did mention Fremantle out with an injury. It will be the biggest game for the Golden Eagles. It's a Wednesday night. Unfortunately, it's a six o'clock start, which sucks um, at the Pfizer Forum. But that's definitely the biggest game of the month for the Golden Eagles at home. Um, and will have a big determination on whether they can win the Big East title. Uh, if they win that one, they put themselves in a tiebreaker with Xavier, Providence, they already have tiebreakers with UConn and Creighton, so they are in a good spot. The only one they need a tiebreaker with is are the Musketeers, who they did not beat. And that game was a total toss-up on the road. Uh, hopefully, 
they can, you know, repay the favor at home again. Xavier is going to look a lot different with Fremantle out with injury. Uh, it's really unfortunate. Also, too, it's just Providence, man, so fucking lucky. Like, I just don't know how they keep doing it. It's it's like the Breaking Bad scene. Like, how do they keep getting away with it? They play Xavier tonight, and now no Fremantle. It's the first game without Fremantle. I think, you know, that favors the Friars a lot, even though uh, it is in Cincinnati. Number nine, uh, UWM's run to the horizon. So UWM, just like Marquette, has a chance to win their conference title. Uh, they are, similarly with Marquette, having a lot of competition, whether it is Cleveland State, whether it is Youngstown State. But I think there's a couple others that are in that mix as well in the Horizon League, but it's it's very competitive. Yes, you also have Northern Kentucky, who Milwaukee just beat, who's also at nine and three, and Oakland hanging out there at seven and five. Milwaukee has a real opportunity at a Horizon League crown for the first time in a very long time. I realize that regular season titles for mid majors don't mean a lot, right? Because at the end of the day, you need to win your conference title to get in. The Horizon League is not uh, the West Coast Conference where Gonzaga plays or the Missouri. I won't even put the Missouri Valley in this conversation this year. Maybe the CAA, uh, the Colonial, because College of Charleston has been great this year. And College, Char- College of Charleston, no ma- I think no matter what, deserves a bid into the NCAA. They've played that well, unless the wheels really fall off. But if they were to only have one or two losses in conference, it's really hard for me to be like, oh yeah, the Char- College of Charleston doesn't deserve to be there. They've definitely been one of the best teams in college basketball this season, but that the, the Horizon League does not get that. Horizon League's transparently a pretty bad uh, conference because you have the likes of Green Bay and Uwe Pui. Uh, both are terrible. Uh, Green Bay is 362 in Kempom. Ui Pui is 360. They are awful programs. Uh, Green Bay is 2-21 this year. Uh, Green Bay, or uh, IUPUI or Ui Pui is 3-20. So they are a combined 5-41. That's the bottom of your conference. Uh, Milwaukee actually plays both. Uh, so they get to kind of boost their win, win total for a little bit here before playing Detroit, which actually... We can tell you we'll be in the building for courtside for the Panthers on Thursday night. So excited for that. Uh, should be a fun content day uh, for all of us. And yeah, we'll probably do a pod after just thoughts from that that night out uh, because I'll probably also go to do Lakers Bucks and I'll probably do the podcast on Friday hungover. Moving on to wrap up today's importance rankings, Packer fans, mock drafts. I think you're going to see a lot of them here in February. Get a lot excited about a lot of guys. Uh, I, I welcome all of them. Uh, Murph and I will do our draft show again. Uh, we'll be back with that. Uh, Murph actually is going to do a Monday pod with me, which I'm very excited about. We'll talk Super Bowl props. I'm sure we'll talk Aaron Rodgers, and we'll talk anything else under the sun. Um, but it, as regards to mock drafts, I think, yeah, guys like Jalen Hyatt, uh, I think Brian Breeze might be thrown around. I think Miles Murphy, if he falls, Peter Skaronsky, which is the wet dream of the Packers media. Like, he's a legacy Packer. His dad played for, played for Lombardi. Like, that is, like, such a pinhead pick. Like, if Skaronsky gets drafted, everybody is going to be so fucking in on that pick. That will be the biggest, like, buy-in lineman pick that you will see of all time because of what Skaronsky has in his legacy, quote-unquote. Um, you, Who else will be in there? Oh, Brian Branch, um, Jordan Battle. Uh, those are all names. I think Jameer Gibbs is a guy that we can have conversations about that 
there there's a case to be made that Aaron Jones isn't part of this team this year, which is probably a topic that we need to have on, an, on a larger platform and not just as a throwaway. But yeah, I, I think there are going to be names that you see time and time again. Um, and should be a lot of fun as we get closer to the draft. I don't think we're in true silly season yet. That's more March. Um, and that, that'll probably make the March importance rankings. All right, that does it. Let me know if anything was off the list. You can hit me up on Twitter, Tabby the Keg, or Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram. I don't really get TikTok DMs on, on this type of stuff, so I won't, won't mention that. It is there. DMs are open on TikTok, of course. But yes, those are the importance rankings for the month of February. Real quick, let's do a quick Golden Kegs, the best and worst from the Bucks win over the Charlotte Hornets. It's a nice win for the Bucks. Um, they just took care of business there. Uh, I want to say they played with their food. Uh, the last five minutes was a little weird uh, where the Bucks just couldn't close the door on the Hornets. They needed like two or three more shots and they just couldn't hit them. Uh, it has been a theme for the Bucks a little bit this season, but that's part of the reason why you know, there was that weird conversation about stat padding with Giannis from that troll Eddie Gonzalez, who apparently is chief Giannis hater. We'll, we'll crown him for that. Um, even though he said, oh, this isn't a knock on Giannis. It's like, fuck you, dude. It's totally a, a dig. But that's why the Bucks kind of need some of that because they've had these moments in late game situations where it's kind of fallen apart for them with large leads. And you saw this again with, with the Hornets. I'm not exactly worried about it. But I, I would prefer it not to keep happening uh, because that's a, it's kind of one of those trends where you see it once, you see it twice, and you're like, okay, this better not happen during playoffs. And then it happens during playoffs, and you're like, fuck, this is something they didn't fix. So the Bucks do need to address that. But I do give Giannis Antetokounmpo the three keg. Uh, it was great last, uh, last night, 34 points, 18 rebounds, another really, really solid game. Uh, I, I hope that there starts to be some conversation about Giannis in the MVP race. We talk about the MVP stuff so often. It's overdone. It's overplayed. But I do believe Giannis needs to be there. Uh, he's playing really good basketball and deserves sort of that credit. Uh, so, yeah, good stuff from a Greek freak. Uh, five, or, five or six from the line as well, which I think is important given the fact that he's had some free throw troubles uh, recently. Uh, all Two kegs goes to Wes Matthews. As mentioned uh, earlier in the program, I think Wes Matthews is playing really good basketball. He had 11 points in 16 minutes. He only ha had six shots. He had six rebounds as well, uh, plus 28 when he was on the court. Uh, Wes making a case for no uh, Jay Crowder, which I think is really interesting given the fact they were teammates at Marquette. One keg goes to Brooke Lopez. It was a rough night for Brooke Lopez. He followed up. He did get 11 rebounds, uh, but he was three of 10 from the field. He was, he did a five block. So, I mean, there was stuff that was like good out of Brooke Lopez, but it was, it, there was more bad than good. You could make a case too that Pat Conton didn't have the greatest of games. Uh, Drew Holiday, even though he had a double-double, uh, had 15 points on 20 shots. That's, that's not good. So I, it's like sometimes with the one kegs, it's hard because it's like they won the game and there wasn't anyone that was truly brutal. But yeah, I, I, I think I give it to Brooke. Just had a rough night in terms of in terms of staying on the court and that's that could could affect the Bucks without by Portis. Um, that's I think they the Bucks manage it just fine. I don't think it was that big of a deal. But yeah, Brooke Brooke had some trouble with Mason Plumley, who I think is an underrated guy to be traded. I, I don't sleep on 
Mason Plumley being a guy that gets traded to a, a major contender because I he's had a really really good year. Like if it was a, a situation like baseball where you had you had to pick an all star from every team, I think Mason Plumley's the Hornets all star. He's really good. Uh, he, had, he had 14 points, 14 boards, and five assists in this game. Uh, so really good stuff from him. I do not sleep on him being a potential trade target for bigger teams. Let's move on and do Wisconsin Bracketology. We do this every week where we check in on the different brackets to see, you know, where they're putting Marquette, where they're putting Wisconsin and our friends from UWM as well, since they are in the mix, mix now. So for Jerry Palm, uh, Jerry Palm has made Marquette's road about as hard as it could get. Uh, this road would give me sort of nightmares if it were the case. Uh, Marquette playing Kent State, a very talented Kent State team. I think Kent State's going to be a popular upset pick. Uh, it would be an absolute track meet. Kent State runs. Uh, that game would be maybe first to 90 wins that basketball game. So yes, uh, that's not necessarily a 13 seed I want to see. Um, and then if they were to win, they'd play either Missouri or St. Louis. Missouri has been interesting because they can't seem to win out of their arena. Like they seem that they're only good inside Columbia, Missouri. Uh, St. Louis, uh, good team. I, I don't think we've seen the best version of them, uh, but St. Louis is solid. Um, they've done a pretty good job. Again, another team where it would be either, either or would be track meets for Marquette in the second round. Also some history there. Uh, Marquette had a brutal loss to Missouri in the second round. Uh, in before the 2003 season, that was 2002 when they lost to Missouri. Um, as I think it was Marquette a six and Missouri was a three. I think that was the case. Yes, that's right. So and I watched that fine finish in a uh, like a Chili's. I, I don't know if it was the Orlando Chili's, uh, which is famously known, but it was a Chili's. It was a rough, rough way to come back from a vacation. Uh, and then St. Louis was an old COSA opponent for Marquette. So bring back the days of uh, the Billikens versus the Golden Eagles. If we go to Joel, oh, and, and just to add, they would be in the South region uh, and they would play Purdue in the Sweet 16. So a rematch there, which I would not, I would not welcome. I, I really want to, Purdue's good, man. I don't want to play Purdue. I mean, we could do that as another segment about what are the top teams you don't want to play. I don't. I don't really want to deal with Purdue again. I think I know Marquette beat them, but I, don't, I think Purdue is a lot better than they were back in November. Uh, so, and Mar but I, you could argue Marquette is like, and maybe I need to have a little more Mar a little more faith in Marquette. Uh, like Alan, shout out Bruce City seventy seven on Twitter uh, said to me like, "Hey, I think Marquette's a Final Four championship contender team because they." They're in every game. Like they've either been winning or tied in the last five minutes of every game this season, which is a great stat. And I love it. I'll probably overuse it. So apologies to Alan on that. And give I'll give him credit every time. But that to me is like, it says everything about what Marquette is. So definitely interesting there. Uh, Lenardi has Marquette as a three. So it's the first three seed we've seen, I've seen uh, for the Golden Eagles. He's, he's higher on the Golden Eagles than a lot of the other bracketologists. Uh, he has them playing Princeton. I think that, again, that's an ideal matchup right there. Like Marquette, Princeton, uh, three seeds is kind of where you start feeling a little bit better about your first round opponent, that there isn't as much opportunity. Now we've seen three seeds lose to 14, but it, it's less likely. I think that would be a ideal matchup for Marquette. Definitely a contrast of styles. 
They next round would be very easy. Well, not easy, but it'd be very nice for them as well with Rutgers and Memphis. I think both are, you know, play into what Marquette wants to do. I, I would not have any issues there. And then if they were to win and advance and the top seed stays in the two line, it would be Marquette, Arizona in Vegas uh, for the regional final, which that would be a fantastic fucking basketball game. That would be very good. I think you'd have a lot, a lot of Marquette fans in Vegas. Uh, you would Arizona too, don't get me wrong, but I think there would be a ton of Marquette fans in Vegas. I, I, they would flood Vegas, and that is going to be a rowdy ass regional final with, with Vegas. Like that, I'm very excited for. I think we mentioned this on last pod, but I'm very excited for the regional final round just because there's so many great options. Like it, Kansas City is a little bit of a downer, but. Kansas City, you have Louisville, you have New York, you have Vegas. Awesome places to go. I actually am doing, I believe, uh, we have to finalize it uh, with my, my ride or die here, but we're looking at a Louisville-Cincinnati trip uh, to go see the Reds and Brewers, but also to do like the Bourbon Trail, to do uh, Churchill Downs. Like, sounds like we're, we're putting that together for a weekend trip in early June. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. Be like Murphy's Law if, the, if Marquette gets there next, you know, in a month and my buddies are like, oh, let's go to Louisville. I don't, I don't know if I, I would road trip for Marquette, maybe. Uh, I'd have to think about it. Uh, it, it. I could put it on the table. It would definitely, I would definitely think about it. Uh, speaking of Wisconsin, so we haven't mentioned Wisconsin yet. Uh, they are the first four out for both Lenardi and Palm. Uh, Badgers are not currently in the tournament. I think I mentioned it in the importance ranking, so I don't need to repeat myself. They have a very tough game with Ohio State. It's a, to me, a little bit of a loser leaves town match. The Badgers do have five in the next seven at home uh, coming up. Um, they have three out of four on the road here with playing Ohio State. They also play Penn State and Nebraska on the road and then at home against Northwestern. First of all, they have to beat Northwestern at home. That is a must win. I think that's Sunday. They have to beat Northwestern in that game. Um, but if they can get Ohio State or Penn State as wins and then be 2-1 and one on the road, because I'm counting Nebraska. I know Nebraska beat Ohio State at home, but they've looked awful. They've did The wheels kind of have come off there. You obviously have to beat Nebraska. I, I, that goes without saying. You lose to Nebraska, like you might as well just pack it up for the season. And then that Greg Gard pressure like turns up. Again, I don't think Greg Gard will get fired, but if you were to lose to Nebraska, like that would be very, very bad. Um, for Marquette's resume, since uh, Wisconsin beat Marquette, I, I hope that Wisconsin can kind of get their shit together. Um, I really do. Uh, lastly, with Milwaukee, it's kind of weird. Jerry Palm has Youngstown State in there. I don't know why he would go Youngstown State over Milwaukee. He has them as a 15 playing Texas. Um, and for Lenardi, who has Milwaukee there, he has them as a 16 playing Houston, um, which would not be fun. Would not be great, but uh, who knows? I mean, Houston has let some teams hang around. I don't think they would let a 16 seed hang around, uh, but they have a little bit of Virginia in them, so who knows? Maybe Milwaukee is the new UMBC. All right, to wrap up today's show, uh, Dave Portnoy, I don't know if you guys saw this, uh, Stuhl Presidente, uh, the founder of Barstool Sports, was in Milwaukee the last two days. Uh, if you are unfamiliar, not living here right now, it's fucking cold. Warmed up today. Uh, it's going to warm up for National Marquette Day, which is great. But Portnoy was in Milwaukee the last two days doing pizza reviews. Uh, none of them have come out yet. Usually it's like two weeks, three weeks before they come out. 
Uh, he did Zafiro's and he did Wells Brothers down in Racine. It's really interesting on the Wells Brothers thing. They're a family-operated pizza shop for the last 100 years. Uh, the Milwaukee Record, I believe, wrote about them two weeks ago, a week ago. And I read the article. Pizza sounded great. Um, I, I put it in my notes as like, all right, if I have an excuse to go to Racine or there's some reason that my wife and I are in Racine or my buddies and I are in Racine, like let's go to Wells, Wells Brothers Pizza. But usually there's not a excuse to go to Racine. No, no diss to my Racine friends, but there's usually not a reason that you just make a 30 minute trip to go to Racine. And now kind of similar to what you see with Guy Fieri when he goes to diners, drives and dives, like Zafiro's and Wells Brothers will get a ton of fucking business because of Portnoy. Like that's that's just how it goes. And that's that's kind of also why he doesn't necessarily rip pizza shops anymore. I don't know if you watch the reviews, but he doesn't. So anyways, why is Dave in Milwaukee? Is the, is the real question. Now there's a lot of stuff speculating. I put it on uh, tick. I put it, I think, everywhere. Uh, Tabby the Keg on Twitter, Tabby the Keg Sports, Instagram, TikTok, about a potential bar barstool sports book coming to Potawatomi Bingo and Casino. Potawatomi has they will have legal gambling on site. Um, it's not going to be mobile. Um, from what I've heard from people, is that they are going to run all their own tech. So maybe that isn't what what's happening. Um, I think Pato would be extremely dumb not to invite in um, Barstool, FanDuel, DraftKings. Like, I think you would you would just make this big ass like scene, right? Or you just have one be the pri proprietary owner of you know your sports book and help you with the tech and you know work on a partnership that makes sense. But it seems like they're going to go their own route. I think that is a terrible, terrible decision. I heard from my guy, Mike, who has done the St. Croix uh, Sportsbook way up there in uh, northern Wisconsin and said he's actually liked it. Um, so, And he said it's always busy. So that's really interesting. So maybe St. Croix has what, what it takes to, to sort of figure that out. I know Oneida has been a mess uh, from a couple people I've talked to. So maybe they can put it all together. And maybe it results in Penn Gaming doing a deal with the Wisconsin Tribes. And, and then Barstool having an involvement with the whole state. It makes sense because Barstool has Iowa, they have Illinois, they have Indiana, they have Michigan, they have Ohio. So if you add Wisconsin, the only one you're missing is Minnesota. Minnesota, I don't think is anywhere close with legalized uh, sports gambling. Uh, and again, they have similar stuff with tribes. Um, they're very tribe driven uh, with their casinos. And they, they are, I have not heard, I'm not really deep in local Minnesota politics, but I, I haven't heard a lot. And Wisconsin is just dipping their toes in and it has to be, it's like tribe to tribe basis, right? So we, it's going to take a lot of time. And, and actually it's really an interesting story. And it's something that I am flirting with the idea of doing a whole like segment or a whole like show on just like, it, it would be a series. I actually want to be a show of just, what's going on in that in the sports gaming world here because it's it's very complicated it's very messy uh it takes a lot of unraveling to know all the politics that's going on behind the scenes here and so i don't know if barstool wants to get involved with that so you're like all right so if it's not the sports book is it anything related to high noon um dave is not the owner of high noon they are very involved with high noon um they promote high noon um so would they be doing a deal with maybe Miller Park, uh, right? Uh, or American Family Field, that is. You have in, in making High Noon, you know, more of a presence in those places where you, things like Vizzy 
are the sort of the main feature and maybe it's a partnership with Molson Coors um, and that basically like says, all right, yes, we have Vizies, but we also have high noons. You can make the case that high noons are different than Vizies because one's using real vodka, the other's using malt liquor. That's like a big selling point with high noon. So could it be that their high noon is like the official canned cocktail of the Milwaukee Brewers or American family like sponsorship properties? Because if you do that, then it's like, not only is it uh, the baseball stadium, but it's also the concert venue um, at Summerfest. And so maybe it's a multi-layer deal. Those are really the only two things that Dave could be in town for. Um, I, I do I do think it's smart that they're going into Milwaukee, given the fact that they have a Chicago office, that they want to bring people probably into the sports book down in Illinois. I think that, that it's really smart to move up to Milwaukee. Obviously, passionate fans here. Um, and if you're bringing in you know, drinking, we love to do it. I think High Noon is pretty popular here. And then the other side of the coin, if you're bring, if you're looking at gambling where it's just starting out, um, it's nice to get in on the ground floor. And maybe Barstool thinks and Penn thinks that it's easier to get in versus a FanDuel or a DraftKings. We'll just we'll just have to see. I'll be curious to see the what the numbers are for Zafiro's and Wells Brothers and anywhere else that he went um, that he did not post about. Uh, the last thought on Dave is he posted a picture of Martha, Martha's Vineyard Wine and Liquor, uh, which is on Miller Parkway, which is why I had the idea about the brewer stuff. I, um, It's so funny. He, he just tweeted gross. And everyone's like, oh, Dave's this in Milwaukee. Dave's this. And I, I realized that not a lot of people on Twitter like are deep in the Barstool world. But that was because he's not a Martha's Vineyard guy. He hates the city, uh, like the place Martha's Vineyard. He's a Nantucket guy. Um, he talks down to Martha's Vineyard. That was the whole joke and no one got it. And I was like, is it more sad that I know that versus people not knowing that? And I thought, yeah, I didn't even tweet it out. I was like, I, it's not like it's not like the scene where it's like, am I out of touch? But it's like, am I the one who's consumed way too much Barstool bar content over the years? Probably the case. We'll just have to see what... Dave decides to do. But that does it for today's show. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Uh, so make sure that you guys, it will be with Mitch, by the way. Uh, so I should say that. So Mitch and I back in the mix. Uh, we'll talk about the Bucks February. Uh, we, we're going to do some what ifs on Patrick Mahomes too. Uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, and there was a Brewers offseason grade. So we'll get Mitch's opinion. Always, Mitch and I get spicy about the Milwaukee Brewers because we see things a little bit differently. So I, I think it's going to be a good show on deck. I will be back on Friday. So I'm going to do a Friday pod. It's been a while, I think, since I've done a solo Friday pod. Uh, we have Bucks Clippers at 9 o'clock. Like I said, I think that game matters. Um, so we'll talk about that after after it, which will be you know late. But we will do Bucks Clippers as well as as well as other games that are going on. All right, take care of yourself. Have a good Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.